to what you were talking about, looking so simper, self-engendering machine of perpetual effectiveness and resolve. <sighs> that is a big mouthful of a lot of syllables that if you don't break it down, you can sort of, it can get lost on you. But if you can, if you sort of, if you break it down and you get a dictionary out and um, you just sort of learn the the basis of the words, you can forget about the definitions as it becomes sort of one thing. And the self is, of course, where it has to start. You can look outward for help and resources, but it begins and ends with the self. Engendering. It's to engender is to produce, to cause to happen, to cause an action, to give rise to, to generate, or my favorite, as people used to call me when I was younger, to instigate. I was always called an instigator. No. And so to self-generate, self-engendering, to generate, to cause to happen. This is how you have to do this yourself and you have to get in the hat. You have to build habits and discipline to perform these actions, whether they're mental, psychological, spiritual, physical, whatever they are, you have to build these habits so they become self-engendering, so they no longer are something that you do, but they're just part of you. You don't even think about them. It's almost a craving, like uh, for me, just the, the mind, the body, the spirit, like that, the meditation and now that I've gotten back into. Because you've been on the road long enough now that it's starting to get to that point. Yeah. And I don't just crave it during the low times. I don't just crave it during the difficult times. I crave it almost every day because there's something in me going, I really want to take 10 minutes out of my morning and set myself up for the day because it's a brand new day. My mind's in a brand new place. I want to get back to that place where I feel strong. I want to talk about that too, but not at this point in time, I think Definitely I'll remember that road. because I, I listened, there's, I listened to tons and tons of podcasts and there's one, um, Actually, a few of them do this in some variation or another, but there's one that begins the podcast specifically with asking each guest what's the first few hours of their morning routine. And I find it, and yes, if you're listening, Mike Ritland, I'm stealing it from you, but I find that that's probably some of the most fascinating listening that I do because he has some very interesting guests on there from just a wide background of a lot of them are, are military. Um, but of course they've gone on to do many other things after the military. Um, a lot of them they're there, he has guests who have a lot of, um, perspectives from, uh, sort of how the military and combat can crush you and how you have to overcome that, how to, how you, um, if you even, ha you had a successful military career and what do you do afterwards? And that's where a lot of veteran suicide and depression and all that stuff manifests because you've lost your mission and it's hard to find something when you basically started as your first thing as an adult at 18 ish was this, and you did it for 20 plus years. What the hell are you supposed to do now? Um, but anyway, uh, so it's, it's a lot of different people answering this question. And to me, I think it's the most fascinating part of the interview a lot of times is to hear where these people who did this thing that I can relate to, what do they do first thing in the morning? How do they start their day? Because that sets your tone. And there's a lot of things we're going to talk about, a lot of things that you can and should do for yourself 
the, and things that you sh- absolutely should not do first thing in the morning. Or let's just say when you get up because people work shifts and whatever. So there is no judgment here about when you get up as long as, you know, you're living your life. Post your main chunk of sleep for the day. Correct. Um, but back to Simper. So we, we, we know what it is to be self-engendering, and we'll talk about how to do that later. But a machine, a machine is an apparatus consisting of interrelated parts with separate functions used in the performance of some kind of work. That is the definition of machine. And I love it. I love what that says. So you are creating habits within yourself that good habits within yourself that become self-engendering and you're making yourself into this machine, which is something that causes action that gives rise to generation of work. And then perpetual, of course, is pretty obvious. Perpetual is constant, ever going, never ending, persistent. And that's that's the thing about the journey. What Project Semper is about is that it doesn't end. If you choose to do this, this is a thing that you do now. It's just, it's just what you do. There's no, it's not, um, it's not a race. There's no finish line. There's no end. Um, and then effectiveness, of course, is being effective is being productive, being efficient, capable, practical those things that we should all strive to do. It's like the, the battle between the id, the ego, and the superego, and, and effectiveness is the boring one that falls in there that controls um, the two crazy ones. And then resolve. Of course, if you do not possess or teach yourself resolve, none of the rest of it matters because resolve is willpower, uh, courage, steadfastness, and life takes a lot of courage. And that is the actual definition of Simper from Project Simper. But what I, I wanted to say that to get into this, which is the Simper triad, which is what I call it. Again, not a new concept, but putting it out there in terms of Project Simper. In order to be a self-engendering machine of perpetual effectiveness and resolve, you must care for, grow, build, cultivate, sculpt three things. Your body, your mind, and your spirit. If you ignore any of these, you're going to be unbalanced. And as I have said for many, many years, the universe demands balance. No matter what, the universe will demand balance. Oh, yeah. Think about a, um, think about a, a, a pendulum. And if you move a pendulum, if you push a pendulum, you apply energy. It's nothing but potential. You apply, you release the energy of a pendulum by pushing it in one direction and it will swing back the other way using that energy exactly on the opposite end of that arc. And it will eventually, unless it's artificially held to one side, it will eventually settle right back in the middle and that's balance. And that's, if you can sort of simplify it like that. And so if you do not care for your body, mind, and spirit, 
in ways that are productive and spur growth for you, then you will be unbalanced. And you can answer a lot of questions, a lot of mysteries in your life. Why do I feel like shit all the time? Why am I sad? Why am I bummed out? Why does nobody like me? Why am I broke? Why am I broke? Oh, that's a good one. (laughs) Well, it's going to come back to the balance of body, mind, and spirit. And if you ignore one of them or two of them, or God forbid, all of them, then there's going to be no mystery as to your state of existence. And that process is not always daily. There are people who live ignoring one, two, or three of those for years and then spend years with the universe going, you were living on the high peaks for a while. Come on down here for a while. And eventually you will come back to the middle. And there's, that's a lifelong thing. I mean, for the last nine months, I have been blatantly using excuses to ignore taking care of my body. And I hit my low point, which was not, not sick, not terribly in a bad place, but it was the feeling that I had inside. And it's like, okay, well, now I'm going to go really gung ho for a little while. And I know I am because I'm bouncing back from that low. And eventually I will find that balance again. And I'm eventually going to drop it again because something's going to happen. And I think there's, that's just that to me, that was the perpetual interpretation. It's not that I'm always going on this same line around, you know, just going in a, you can't see my hand, but you going in a circle around a line on and on and on. It's that when I do get down or when one of those things gets neglected, that balance will be restored and I have to pull myself up to get back to that place of balance. Yeah. And you have to, it's important to, in in order to be able to do that, unless you're just a robot, (laughs) you need to surround yourself with people who elevate you. Um, Because as we spoke of earlier, there's a lot of people in your life whom some of you, some of whom you may love, some of whom may be your moral enemies, but there's a lot of them who are going to want to drag you down for their own selfish reasons. Enabling you, your, Enab- your choices. Yeah. Enabling you to be lazy or stupid or, you know, shoot heroin or eat gravy or whatever it is. Or be- mooch off of other people because you don't want to. Go get your own place. Yeah, they're going to enable you to do that because they engage in those behaviors themselves. And as we all know, misery loves company. That's another one of those concepts. It's who knows where that came from, but is it ever not true? I mean, nobody wants to be miserable alone. No, and the um, not not uh, because it's biblical, but because it comes to mind is uh, you know, may he or she or or beyond the binary, whatever you want to call it, without sin, cast the first stone. Like when I'm, when I'm telling you, well, I really wish you'd clean up the bedroom more often. Your clothes are everywhere. Well, what does my side of the room look like? Am I always perfect? I'm perfect right now, but was I perfect yesterday before I cleaned up and then I noticed his side was dirty? Nope. And it's like, pay attention, pay attention to yourself. Be self-aware. Yes. Be self-aware as much as humanly possible. I would say at all times, but that's just impossible. That's part of what makes us human and not perfect and interesting. And it also makes, again, why I'm going back to like, why did I agree to do this? Because it's really important to hear that other people aren't perfect. Nobody is perfect. And it's really important to hear that you're not alone and that if you have any type of self-initiative, 
there are those who can surround you that you can surround yourself with that will help you get where you want to go. Yeah, that's key. And it's going to be another one of those things that that we discuss more in detail, which is surrounding yourself with people who elevate you. And that's, again, a concept as old as time itself. You can find that everywhere. I mean, you know, I think it was George Washington that said it's better to be alone and than in bad company. That's a paraphrase, but, <laughs> um, and, and the more broadly speaking, we are really nothing more than little bits of everyone we've ever known. And the more decent people you put around yourself, think of what that's going to do to you. Now it's up to you to recognize what's decent and what's not. And that's where judgment comes in. And judgment is not a bad thing. Judgment is, um, it is a necessary human element that not only protects you, but puts better things, better people around you, but that also can be, if, if executed properly, even if it's not executed properly, a judgment, if you are being judged by someone, it should be an injunction to you to do something about something. And sometimes it's walking away from that person because they're judging you. Totally. But uh, so body, mind, and spirit, um, there's reasons. There are very good reasons that you take care of these things. And we started, we actually started talking about one of these earlier. And um, you have different perspectives on this, but I want to get this out. And we can talk a little bit about this and probably wrap it up here or else we'll just talk about the entire in the entirety of the philosophy of project semper here for the next 27 hours and we'll never be able to record a podcast again. I have to work tomorrow. Yeah. Um, so body, I put body first and you can almost think about it the same way as, uh, the oxygen mask on the plane. Um, if, if, if your body is deteriorating, if you are not, if it, if you are not caring for your body properly or you're actively poisoning your body, then the rest of it's going to have a tough time functioning on the level that it should. Um, and the reasons that you want to take care of your body, there's a lot of them, but some key reasons are function. How are you going to, if you don't have the basics of health you eat reasonably and again all right let me start right here let me start right here by stating i am not talking about training for marathons and crossfit and eating tofu egg whites and whatever and spinach every i'm not day. talking about this i'm take i'm talking about taking this flesh and bone structure that you've been given and doing the best that you can by it and with it and through it Whatever that means to you for your nutrition, for your, your exercise, for your health, all of these things, I, don't, I, I really don't feel like I need to explain that it's a good thing to do this, to take care of this. But you, sometimes we don't think about some of these things. Um, 
like your function. How do you function? How do you hurt yourself every time you lean over to pick up something? Um, if you're a young parent, it, you got, you're carrying around babies all the time. You're, you're twisting and reaching and shoving and lifting and carrying all these things for all your young'uns. Are you able to do that? Well, are, if you're a dad and your kid's seven and you're out in the front yard with a softball and a glove and a bat, are you able to do that with your kid? If you're a grandparent, are you able to play with your grandkids like you want to? Just functioning. Can you function without, can you function with reasonable fluidity? without much trouble, any, any sort of uh, injuries or maladies notwithstanding. There are limitations. Or performing functions of your job. I heard a story today about a gentleman who works in a, in a place, and um, because he's so overweight, there are functions of his job that he cannot perform, and someone else at his job has to pick up that slack for him, and his own tasks suffer. Yeah. Um, Another one that's a, a real, I want to say, well, I don't, I don't want to use a trite expression like hot button or something stupid like that, but it's per, it's personal for me. And I've spoken about this on this forum before, and I have no, no trepidation or no reason to not want to speak about this. I just wanted to kind of put it, frame it in its proper context. And that is longevity. You should take care of your body. So that you're here for as long as possible. Why? Because there are people who love you. Whether you're, again, a parent or a grandparent. Um, my father died at 69 from self-inflicted reasons. Uh, he was not taking care of his body. And because of that, everything else died along with it. And he spent the last, well, he met my daughter twice, I think, and he didn't want to be around her because he was ashamed of how he looked and presented himself. Does that sound like something that you want to engage in long term? Well, also because of his activities, he died at 69. And so now he has... Um, a granddaughter who he didn't really spend any time with. Um, he has another granddaughter who, uh, was born. He spent, got to spend a little bit of time with, but didn't really know. And then now has three other grandchildren who he never met, who see pictures of him and hear of him and, you know, love the stories of him. And we all, my brothers and I talk about him and tell stories because he was, he was awesome. Um, but, and men don't die early in my family. Um, my, I'm doing a whole genealogy thing right now. We just did our DNA. Um, but my, my great, great, great grandparents were seventies and eighties and all of my relatives, nobody died early. So this self-inflicted nonsense, you may think you're living your life the way you want to live it and living it on your own terms, but God damn it, you have people around you who are connected to you and who love you and perhaps 
and not infrequently rely on you to be around to work and provide. There's also being on the other side of the coin where you you know, you know that taking care of your body is the right thing to do. You know that smoking cigarettes will cause cancer and yet they're still going to yeah, put flash. graphic warnings on the boxes like it's going to stop people from smoking. It's not. And there's often, more often than not, I would assume, there is pain behind that oh. abuse. Totally. And without taking a minute to think about what you're, it's like, I, I know that, you know, drinking three shots of Jameson and a bunch of Bud Light drafts at the bar is not going to help me feel good the next day. But if I'm in pain or if I'm stressed and I can't figure out another way to deal with it, I'm going to abuse my body because it's here. Yeah, I did my best to drink myself to death for, I don't know, about 20 years-ish, something like that, and it came straight from pain. We'll talk about that story more because I have no qualms talking about that. It's one of the reasons that getting through that is one of the reasons that I'm here today in the state that I'm in. But um, yeah, self-medication almost always comes from pain. Now, cigarette smoking, I think, is a little bit of a different animal because it's kind no, of that was more of like a forced. We know it's wrong. We're going to forced anyway. on kids by Madison Avenue. <laughs> but I guess where where I was going uh, to to circle back was um, we we all know that there's enough messaging out there, and not only that it's important to take care of your body, but also how there's resources everywhere you look, and so it's not just about taking care of your body. It's if you're not taking care of your body and you know, that's the right thing to do. Why, why, or what's the real reason you are abusing your body or not taking care of it? Because it's that important to figure out what's going on at the very heart of it. That's the big part of it. Yeah. If you are self-medicating, whether it's food or booze or drugs or porn or whatever the hell it is, if you're self-medicating there, you got to figure out why, and you have to confront and you got to be the willing why. to face those demons, That's and that is thing. so hard. You have to be willing to face the dragon. There's an amazing TED Talk about that, and I don't know if we're allowed to put links in the... Yeah, we'll... Whatever, but uh, that was something that I watched over and over again because I watched this woman talk about facing demons, and I was like, her, her recommendation, much more scientific, but it involves basically drawing it out. Yeah. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm, I'm a terrible artist. What am I... Get? But it doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. It's putting it in front of your eyes, forcing you to confront it. And yeah. There's a whole lot of (laughs) mythology and parables and and stories and everything about that, about that exact scenario. It's slaying the dragon. It's a story. It's Harry Potter. It's a story that's been around again or ever. I'm going to think about that on the drive home because I've never heard that analogy and now I'm not going to be able to think about anything else. Oh yeah. It's deep, deep into that. Anyway. Um, so, um, yes, it's that important. Not only longevity, because I hear this, you, you could hear this, which is, uh, well, I can, I can get up and eat, you know, gluten-free tofu vegetarian and run 10 miles a day and work out and not smoke or drink or do anything and drop dead at 40 because of genetics. And that is very true. And my answer to that is, do you want to be miserable while you're here? Whether it's 38 years or 108 years, you 
can improve the quality of your life by not abusing yourself with all of these things. So, yeah, you sure could keel over and die at 40 as a healthy, active person. And that's most likely going to have something to do with genetics. But during that time, were you constantly drunk and hungover or you didn't feel good because you were carrying 30 too many pounds or whatever? And so there's no real reason to get too deeply into that um, because you can just go get into a circular argument about what we were talking about earlier, which is, well, it's my body, which I argue is it's not true. Um, you have responsibilities and connections, and but I think something also that's really important is that every single human being at their very core deserves to live their best possible life, regardless of what has been done around you in the universe, regardless of what journey you've taken so far at your very heart, every single human has the potential to live their best life and they deserve to live their best life. And, and that's an affirmation and you can think it's all woo all day long, but it is the truth and is sometimes very hard to accept. But if you think that, you know, well, it's, I'm, I'm going to abuse my body because I'm in pain and I, no one is going to understand me and I don't deserve to live a good life and no one's going to benefit from me. That is just not true. Yeah. And you can help that once again by learning how to surround yourself with better people. Um, there's a lot of, a lot of things in life can be aided, repaired, yeah, moved along in a positive direction by being able to um, evaluate who's around you and you got to let people go. One of my notes down here is uh, in another one of the writings, uh, I literally just wrote down two words that says hope saves. Circle that for when I talk about okay. how I tried to drink myself to death okay. because that's important. <laughs> yes. I've heard that story at least, at least one of the it's sides tough. Of it, and, I, and I, I, I cry. I, I've told it enough times now that I don't cry. And that's actually kind of one of the things it's about confronting demons and dragons is you have to confront it and point it and look at it and say, you're not going to take me down and talk about it. And yeah. I've now told that. I couldn't get halfway through that story without breaking down. I'm, I'm like quivering right now, just thinking about but, it. But um, I've told it enough now that I'm able to, I, I'm able to do, to serve the mission of the story, which is to tell it in a coherent enough fashion that people can find some value out of it and not have me break down into yes. a blubbering mess. But surrounding yourself with people who will love and support and forgive and, and give you hope when you can't give that to yourself, when you do finally stand up from the rocks at the bottom of the river, you stand up and you are willing to take those steps forward. If you have the right people around you, they will hold your hands until you don't need them to anymore. And that's one of the most amazing things about human nature. Yeah. Everybody, you know, surprisingly, um, more people than you think want to help. Absolutely. You have to be willing to help yourself. Yeah. So wrapping up body. Why else do we care for our body? You just your, what we were just talking about, really, which is your well-being. 
your physical well-being. And that that just kind of goes back to, are you able to function? Are you able to perform? Are you able to do thing, do the things that you want to do? Do you want to go climb a mountain in Glacier National Park? Can you in your current state? So your well-being, do you want, are you able to do the things that you want to do with in the body that you have as it's, as it's currently configured. And one thing that you talked about uh, that you touched on earlier is financial well-being, financial viability. Is your body in a state that allows you to work so that you may, that you may handle your responsibilities, whatever they are, whether it's just you putting a roof over your head and putting food on your table so that you can get up and go back and do it again the next day, or do you have children? Do you have a wife? Do you, whoever, a, a whatever that you have to take care of? Yeah. Yeah. That's another thing that's staring me in the eye too, right? We're, you and I are getting, you're much younger than me, but we both have sort of that thing on the horizon, but that's a whole other tangent. Um, but it's, it's also part of that web. It's being, it's your responsibility because if you have anything or even if it is just you and you're just put a roof over your head and put a meal on your table so you can get up and do it all over again. Well, there are ways to spin that where it's like, Oh God, what's the point? It's the same thing day in, day out. It's like, it's your responsibility to find purpose and to find hope to find a drive in you before you can possibly extend that web. Discover your potential. Yeah. And so the second leg of the stool, the second part of the, um, the Semper triad. triad, the uh, third, the second part of the that sort of three-leafed clover is your mind. Um, you can do push-ups all you want, but if you don't crack open a book, if you just sit on your couch and doom scroll social media all day long, um, we got some issues. Now I boiled that shepherd in idiocracy. <laughs> I I boiled that down into something that's culturally tangible right now. But um, there's things that, that I try to do that I really encourage people to do and what that we're doing right here, right now as we speak, which is I want everyone for their mental well-being to take care of your mind, to read, write, think, connect, and do. And we don't do very many of those things, at least not very well anymore. And reading is so important and we've thrown it away. Do you know the average at this, this stat that I saw, I saw it probably two years ago and the stat was probably two years old at that time. Um, the average teenager, uh, the average high school age teenager reads something like seven minutes a day. And I'm stunned that that number was that high. Is that from actual, <clears throat> like they're reading an actual book or is that they're reading? An any kind of reading, read any it? kind of concentrated reading. And when I say you need to read, I don't give a damn what you read. Read a cereal box, but perform the physical function of reading. You, it exercises the brain. It puts new thoughts and new ideas into your head. It expands on existing thoughts and ideas it more than anything it allows you to it allows your imagination to work and so reading a novel you don't have to read 
you know, War and Peace. Well, War and Peace is a novel, but you know what I mean. You don't have to read the classics or um, nonfiction works of psychological breakdown or whatever. Just read a novel. Let your brain paint that picture to use a terribly tried expression because you will open up a world inside of your head that has been there, but you haven't used it. You haven't exercised it. And not taking that away from children by handing them a tablet or a phone or some other way to function, whether it's schoolwork or communication, taking away reading and writing. And you can, by extension, you can include typing. But I think that Tell me if you agree with this. Everything I see on you in your notebook in front of me is handwritten. Yep. And here's a little nugget that is I I find to be absolutely true 100% of the time is that I can take the most basic piece of information that I need to remember and I can repeat it. I can tell myself, you know, it's let's just say it's the number 101. I have 101 golf tees in a bag that I need to take over there, and that person needs to know how many tees are in the bag. And I can get over there, and it's an easy concept. It's an easy number to remember, but I get over there, and they're like, how many tees is in that bag? I'm like, I think, but whatever it is, And if it's an idea in particular, if you write it down, if you physically write it down, you will remember it 100% of the time. And it's almost like, well, I didn't even need to write it down. Well, I wrote, I wasted all that time writing it down. I remember it. That's why you remember it. That's why you remember it because you physically wrote it down. So read and write, start unlocking this. And I, I talked about this a little bit earlier, but putting ideas out into the world. The, the proper growth and development of thought has been murdered, or at least it's, it's attempted murder by not encouraging this, this kind of, um, two, this twofold, this two pronged concept, which is thinking Actually, it's it's more than two, but this stuff all works together. But thinking, so the 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 genesis of a thought is this proto idea, this this cloud of whatever that appears that comes into your consciousness of whatever. You have to think about it. You have to sit there with the can TV off, your phone away away from arm's reach, no earbuds in. And just a, a Let your mind sort of a distract, distraction-free environment and just think. It doesn't even matter what it is. You have to think. But that thought is worthless if you don't do the next steps, which is you should write it down. I have this thought. I need to write it down. And I've been disciplining myself pretty well over the last few years about if I have an idea fragment as I'm walking down the hall or something, I I don't like to be tethered to a computer, but 
I need to get this down. And the quickest way for me is to pull up my notes app and blah, 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 blah. And all I do, I don't even structure it or do anything. I just blah. I just get the idea out so that I can at least come back to it later if I forget. So you need to write it down. That's why I sent you that text at like 10, 15 one night. I was like, I have this thought yeah. and it needs, I didn't necessarily need to send it to you, but I was so excited because it was related to the podcast. And then the next day he asked me, what does this mean? I said, oh, sorry, that was a brain dump. But it it will eventually turn into something with help. What are you talking about? Don't worry about it. I'll get back to you. I got to. Yeah, I'm so sorry. But that's what I'm talking about is you got to get it down and get it out there. And then the the next step is you need to connect. And and when I first was writing this stuff down back when I was kind of putting the. precepts of Simper together, I, I, I said, read, write, think, and speak. And of course, everybody blanches when you, when you say, when you talk about talking, because of course you should listen. But that's not what I'm talking about. The listening comes, and so I had to, I really, but I understood it. I got it. I understood why people were protesting when I said, speak. Because you should listen. Of course you should listen. So that's why I replaced talk or speak and listen with connect. So when you mm-hmm. connect with someone, you Two should be speaking and listening. In other words, you're taking that idea. Let's go back to that idea, that nebulous, tenebrous thing that popped into your consciousness that you then ruminated about. You turned it over in your head and you thought about it and it survived, or maybe it didn't, but this one in particular survived long enough to make it on paper. If If it was stupid and it didn't make it on paper, fair enough. So be it. It didn't deserve to go any farther, according to your own filter. But you wrote it down and then you connected with a friend. And I mean, hopefully in person, you sit down in a coffee shop or in your living room or even in the car, just yapping back and forth in the car. And you start talking about this thing to someone that you trust because you've surrounded yourself with people who elevate you, right? And so that person will have input and that input might be, that's really stupid. And, and you should be mature enough to go, okay. Or the person might say, well, that's fantastic. Let's talk about it some more. But it's really, it's just as important to have people who have different ideas and oppose your thoughts or have different thoughts than yours than it is to have people who agree. Yeah, but that goes back to who you're, if you're surrounding yourself with people, decent enough people, yeah, you're going to have people who are not afraid to push back when you've said something stupid or to uh, take the thought and maybe grow it in a different direction. Or just straight up disagree with you. And then it's like, okay, well, what's your point of view on this? Let me... And so in doing that, you've now taken this abstract concept that popped into the ether and you've given it life. You've put an idea into the world. Maybe it survives past that. Maybe it doesn't. But you have gotten, you've produced an idea and you've manufactured it and you've put it out into the world. And who knows? What could happen with that idea? I'm going to say Who it, it knows it might not go beyond your neighbor, but that neighbor might take it and do something with it. And I just want to with with the reading also, I have to say this, especially with young children, teenagers who are learning, who are sponges, who pick up everything you say and everything. do. They need to learn how to form coherent sentences. 
thoughts, oh. how to communicate with adults. And they turn into adults who then get on the phone as a customer service representative and you have no idea what they're talking about. And reading is, a, I believe, is at the core of that. It helps you learn how to form coherent thoughts, sentences, paragraphs, grammar. There's a reason that that stuff exists and you can only break the rules if you <clears throat> know the rules. That is an excellent point. I like that. Um, that's a concept that we'll weave throughout this project. Um, and that, that essentially is why I believe it's important to care for your mind and how you should do it. And it's, it just read freaking 10 minutes, man, whatever, whatever you have, it's not nothing. And your it, children watch you. Oh Lord, here we go on another one. Cause you got me started on this. I cannot stand uh, when I go into a room, whether it's my family or a bunch of strangers and all the adults are curled up in that fetal surrender position of staring at that stupid little glowing mental God of stupidity. And all the children are looking and learning and absorbing. Oh, well, that's what adults must do. When you go into a waiting room, do you bring mm. your phone? Do you bring a book? I bring a book. I bring my Kindle. Yeah, I bring my e-reader because it's lighter. But yeah. I look around and... Sometimes I will, uh, like on the airplane. I was on an airplane to go to New York last month, and I looked all up and down the aisles all around me, and it was myself and one other gentleman reading a book, and every other single person was on their phone or watching TV. And I do that too. Sometimes you just gotta, you gotta shut down. You can't be engaged a hundred percent of the time. And playing a stupid, mindless game on your phone or watching a movie or whatever is fine, especially if you're sort of in a trapped environment that you can't get up and go for a jog or, you know, go cook a meal or bake some cookies or something. There's nothing wrong with that. But when you're 100% totally encompassed in a world of distraction, your brain is not going to function as it should. Boredom is the lifeblood of creativity. If you are completely filled with distraction 100% of the time, you will never have a creative thought in your life. And you say, okay, well, so what? Well, who cares if I ever have a creative thought? And that's where you sever that cord and all of a sudden you are no longer contributing to that web. Yeah. And, and if that, honestly, that's, everybody's philosophy has to draw a line somewhere. And I'm not dragging anybody kicking and screaming into this. Like I said, I'm just trying to put ideas into the world. If your response to that is so what? Okay, fine. But you have potential. You See have you so later. much potential in you and why not try? What are you going to lose? And that's what trying? we're doing here. If someone finds this and they say, and they don't have, they can listen to this and not have anybody around judging them or they don't have to put up some kind of front, uh, then maybe they don't have to physically answer the question why or why not. They can decide to do it on their own. Hopefully that can provide some value. Um, and finally, this is a touchy one. Spirit. Yeah, because we've we've spoken of um, faith, I suppose, is a way to put it. Um, but that's not what I'm talking about necessarily when yeah. I say spirit. It's not about religion. It's not and, about 
Yeah, like, I chose the word spirit instead of soul because soul is very narrow. And a lot of a lot of people are going to freak out when I say that. I think, and I understand that, but I'm trying to communicate to everyone. But whatever it is that however you define your spirit, your soul, your essence, your energy, whatever the thing is that animates you, and that's the thing, is that you are alive. And life is something that they can't, uh, you can't invent life. You can recreate it, you can't invent it. So anyway, whatever you, whatever it is for you, whatever motivates you to want to do any of this, you have to identify, acknowledge, and define the source of your animation. And that's your spirit. That's whatever's inside of you that, that directs the moral compass, whether you want to admit that you have one or not, but you do. And that doesn't have anything to do with religious faith, a moral compass. And when I say moral, I'm not talking about um, what you do with your underpants parts or anything like that. I'm talking about the judgment of the differentiation of right and wrong in your daily life. So you, if you disavow or reject the existence of this source of your animation, your, your fundamental eminence, then you will essentially drift from randomness to randomness. You just, you'll just be kind of susceptible to whatever seems fun or cool or easy or whatever at the time. It's the difference between um, universal truth and conventional wisdom. Universal truth is always will be, always was, it is immutable. Conventional wisdom changes from time to time and comes and goes. And I mean, science can fall under conventional wisdom because it wasn't that long ago that um, we didn't know very much about what was inside an atom, that we thought that that was the smallest thing that there was. Um, and my wife loves it when I get started on um, quantum physics, which I don't understand at all. But I was I about love, to say, please, this I is... love learning about it. Um, the gonna... fact, the mm-hmm. fact that matter can be in two different places at once or nowhere at all at the same time. I love that. Anyway, that's going to be a separate <laughs> podcast with a separate <laughs> guest slash co-host slash someone who is not me. But if you don't get on board with the whole spirit thing and enriching and growing it and cultivating it, you'll sort of never understand that you actually do have a purpose. And that goes back to your potential thing. And also the universe happening around you. Life is going to happen to you. You can let life sort of direct you or you can direct yourself and listen to that inner spirit. I want to close my thoughts with this and you can feel free to keep going or add whatever you want. But I think this is, this is a good way to kind of bring it in. The world needs you to be the highest form of you. It just does. You need to know that you have a purpose higher than whatever. You need to know that you have value 
and you need to be the highest form of you. The highest form of you matters to the universe. I don't think I can top that. <laughs> Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. Um, but I think that's a good place to stop because we've talked for a little over an hour and a half. And there's, it's like, it's like the first few chapters of a book that you have to claw your way through as they get through character development and exposition and all that kind of stuff. And you have to sort of understand where this came from and where we're coming from and why we're doing this and what the hell all of this is and kind of the, the who, what, when, where. Well, we, we've done the, the what and the why, some of the why, but there's a lot more to it and, and a little bit of the who. And uh, so we will continue on this line, on this little voyage as we go, and hopefully that, the, uh, that you will join us and that it will grow. And do not forget that the, the, uh, the importance of um, engaging, if you find something that you, that you find value in, let's say, I don't want to say like or something like that, because that, that's just a really superficial emotional sort of a reaction no, but if you it's a spark i think if something speaks to you if it calls you if 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 you find something that if you come across something in which you find value then you should share it you should share it with someone who you think might value it as well um so like i said projectsimper.com is the hub and that's where you can find these podcast episodes as well as the other podcast platforms. Um, there's videos on there. There are blog posts and lots of other fun stuff there as well. And you will find Project Semper on YouTube and all the other stupid places like Instagram and Facebook. I even have a Twitter account that I, I think that's going to probably like invalid soon based on the way things are going. We'll see. Oh no, we're going meta, right? I don't know. There's Twitter yeah. going down. Yeah, TikTok whatever. is now going down. It's all stupid. People put down your phones. Anyway, <laughs> um, find the message, share the message, and help grow the help grow the project. Um, again, projectsemper.com, and here we are doing the backyard roundtable version of the Project Semper podcast. And I would like to thank Jennifer Friedman for joining me, and hopefully, we will have many more deep. Excellent. Brain-stretching conversations. Well, thank you for having me. And they will be brain-stretching, but also fun, because that is my spark in life. There we go. All right. See you all next time. Peace out, homies.